We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dan Kotnick. Alongside me for today's episode is my partner, as always, Mr. Chris Schimmel. We are here on a Thursday talking Packers football on uh, this wonderful Pack a Day Podcast that we have for you today. Um, tons of stuff to get to, Chris. Packers related and football in general related. Uh, I think we'd be remiss, though, if we didn't discuss coming up uh, today. We've got Sweet 16 basketball action coming up. How is your bracket doing, Chris, so far? Glad you brought that up because uh, me and two of my uh, coworkers, we have a little competition where we take we just put five bucks in, and whoever wins, wins the pot. Mm-hmm. And so far, I was winning after the first round. Second round, I'm in second, but it's pretty neck-to-neck, the way we do points and all that. Overall, my bracket's doing great. The Wisconsin teams really screwed me, Marquette <laughs> and and Madison both bowing out early. That really, really screwed up mine. Didn't screw up uh, my, my coworker, Brad, actually had Marquette beating Gonzaga. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, thank God that you made, that's going to make my life easier. But, yeah, how about yours? Oh, it's been it's absolute garbage at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, I still have Virginia winning it all, so there's always Excuse a chance me. for that. To, you picked Virginia too. 
Well, the reason I, I got I went it was a uh, me it was Virginia Duke in the in the finals, and I thought, all right, I don't really have much you know allegiance to either team. Who do I want to pick? And then I thought, well, you know what. Thomas Jefferson founded the University of Virginia, so I, I made that my tiebreaker. <laughs> I fair, that's fair enough. I, I won't I won't judge you for it. Um, I uh, I think in one other one I picked Michigan State to win. I had a couple of different uh, wild cards, like I had like Murray State in the Final Four and everything oh, like that. So that's yeah, that's really killed me. I, funny, I, a buddy of mine had Wofford in the Final Four. I'm like, you guys are really going nuts on this, like. Well, hey, I mean, if that if that kid shoots, you know, at least two of those threes that he missed, they actually probably beat Kentucky, and we could be considered, you know, talking about them uh, moving forward. Um, but basketball out of the way, Chris, uh, we'll have plenty to lament about, you know, about that later. Uh, we want to dive into some of the news and, and notes from this week and, and today. Uh, the first one that I think we wanted to kind of talk about was the news that broke earlier this week about uh, the start of the 2019-2020 NFL season, that it's going to be the rematch from week number one last year, but new venue, different day, Thursday night, September 5th, in Soldier Field, um, the way for the NFL to kick off their 100th season with the oldest rivalry in Soldier Field. Uh, you know, we got the benefit of having our hundred year anniversary at home. So we get to return the favor to Chicago this year. Um, your thoughts on facing pro- what's probably the uh, favorite for the NFC North crown again in the Chicago Bears, Chris, on a Thursday night opening week like this with a brand new head coach and, you know, brand new faces on both sides of the ball. Oh yeah, that that that's why this game is going to be so intense. You know, this game is going to be more intense than usual, specifically because brand new coach coming in, and this is just going to be a completely different Packer team when it comes to identity. You know, because there's mm-hmm. going to be so many faces, like Cobb and Matthews gone. You know, you're really not gonna, you really don't don't know don't know what to expect. And of course, the Bears are going to be favored coming out. They won the NFC North last year. And of course, they have a great defense, and who knows? They could, uh, it could. What happened to you know? What could happen to them is what happened to the Vikings. How you go all the way up top, and then you completely obliterate. But I don't, I don't see that happening. And overall, I feel it's too early to make predictions of what you think the score is going to be. But of well, course, I'm going to think the Packers are going to pull it off. <laughs> well, I think I saw the early odds have the Bears as a four point favorite. Not surprising. Uh, very, very early on. Um, and, yeah, I, I think really, A, I don't – I never like playing divisional games that early. in week number one. Yeah, even just early. I, I think that, you know, divisional games are just way, way too important when it comes down to, you know, playoffs at the end of the year. And I to agree put, with you on that completely, except I feel – a hundred years, this is a special event. So if you are going to have two teams in the same division play one another opening day, Packers, Bears, what can be better than that? Right. I mean, really not not to not to kind of go all Yankees Red Sox on everybody, but <laughs> if if you're if you were to pick one single game, if one single matchup to kind of embody the history of the NFL 
it really ends and starts and ends with Packers Bears, doesn't it? I, what what would be a second to that? Is there anything? <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna throw a wild that? card out there and, and say something different. I thought you were. Gonna <laughs> say I mean, honestly, the only, literally, the only other one that came to mind as if if you were trying to take a, a representation of the NFL, and it, I think what you're looking for is something that spans the decades, and it's franchises that are historic, maybe haven't been there the entire time, but have a big history in the NFL. The only one, other one I thought of was like um, Steelers-Cowboys. But again, that's me trying to find something that's not Bears-Packers. You know and, what I mean? And also, you know, if this was, you know, 2013, 2012, I could see a lot of people across the league rolling their eyes. But now that the Bears are actually good, this will actually be a good game because a lot of traditional rivals, you know, wouldn't like, for example, uh, like Raiders Steelers back in the seventies, that was a huge mm-hmm. rivalry. Would that really be all that exciting today? You know, or uh, of course, even the Bengals and the Browns had a great rivalry, but I mean, would you put that opening opening day? No. Of course, now that the Browns are a little bit better, but you know what I mean? So, the fact that the Bears and the Packers this might be a good game that everyone will have marked on their calendars, I think it's uh, it has to be number one. And then I th- and then also you throw in what happened in week number one last year at Lambeau yeah. Field with those two same teams. It kind of makes it a a, a no brainer that it has to be the rematch in in Chicago for this year. So that's what's coming up we have that look to look forward to at least now we know you know we don't have to wait until april to get the whole schedule mm-hmm. we at least know when the first game's going to be cuz that's i think kind of you know one of the big questions is are you going to be playing that sunday night game are you going to be playing on monday you know are you going to be on the road this year i think this will be the first time they're on the road and maybe uh for the first week i'm trying to think back to it since is it since 2010 because the last time I remember starting on the road was 2013. They started against the 49ers, I believe. You might be right. And then uh, maybe even in 2012 as well, I think they played the 49ers at Candlestick Park. That's just what I think. Because I remember 2013, that's when Matthews hit Kaepernick way out of balance and started that brawl. That I remember that. Battle. That, that, that. I think that, was, that may have been the last time. Could be wrong, but. Oh, wait a minute. What about a 2014? They played the Seahawks. At oh, Seahawks. yes. No, of yeah. course. You're right. That w- That's exactly right. After the Seahawks, they won their – they, they won the Super Bowl. To, they lost 36-16 to 16 mm-hmm. that first game of the year. And then, of course, the Packers turned it around and kicked their that ass is- for 57 minutes in the NFC Championship game. But uh, don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The, the good call. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah, that was their home opener after the Super Bowl. And thankfully, Chicago's not celebrating a championship uh, for this Thursday night opening game. But since we are talking about great home openers, I just mm-hmm. want just wanted to hear what is your favorite Week One game of the Packers? Favorite home opener for the Packers ever? Ever? Ever that you actually witnessed? Oh boy! Well, I, I mean. If, if we're going to take last year out of it, because I think that's kind of that's kind of the pinnacle right now, but mm-hmm. I also don't want to be captive of the moment. Um, if it wasn't that one, um, I would probably say uh, 
I think it was two years ago against the Seahawks. On it was just, that was a Sunday night game too. Uh, I've I, I'd never heard the place that loud that consistently um, against the Seahawks. I think that was maybe 2015 or 26, 2016. I think yeah. I because I remember we brought it. We brought a bottle of champagne that we were gonna pop at the MC Championship game, and then. We popped it after that win. So <laughs> it was somewhere right around there. I'm getting my years all mixed up on me now. What about you? I, the one that really means a lot to me was 2011, the game after they won the Super Bowl against the Saints. That's when, a good one. Where they were criticizing the Packers for not like having team workouts and blah, 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 and Rodgers threw three touchdowns in the first quarter, and it was just an absolute shootout. I, I, to me, that game was was probably my favorite. That's that's a really I I had not thought about that, but I would but I would probably one hundred eight yard touchdown run. Yep that that was just a, a great game. The, and the, it, the last two Super Bowl champions and it was forty two to thirty four. Great game. That, that that was my personal favorite. That's that's a really good one. And then and you add in the the goal line stand at the end. When they and, couldn't stop anything, but they finally did on like the one yard line. I remember yeah. Andrew Hawk had the pass interference call with like no time left to put him at the one yard line. Yeah, that 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 was that was my favorite until that maybe this last year. But I don't know; it's tough to beat that one. Yeah. Oh, there's well, there's been a good handful of them to to uh, to pick from. So later on, um, April, usually when we figure out when that first game will be in Lambeau. Um, Chris, we wanted to talk about uh, the news coming in this week. Obviously, the owners, coaches at the um, the meetings in uh, Arizona the past couple of days. And the big stuff coming out of there are usually all of the rule changes or possible rule changes or rule changes that were considered uh, by the competition committee. And a couple that were on the table being discussed about uh, that were, you know, had chances to be looked at were really big changes to the game as we know it. And I think I, at least I kind of got caught up in the uh, reports that, you know, there was a lot of push for these changes to be made. And so I kind of thought that we were going to get more or, or see more. Um, But, but either way, what we've seen out of, uh, the meetings the past couple of days, there was talk about changing the overtime rules where both teams will get a possession in uh, overtime, no matter what happens. And then also looking at pass interference, uh, obviously that coming out of the NFC championship game, I think most notably the past year, having that as um as something that could be uh, reviewed possibly by coaches challenge or by, uh, by a booth review. And then um, also uh, the interesting proposal with the onside kicks to make it a little bit more like uh, the AAF where you get the fourth and long to convert and uh, keep the ball. So let's just kind of, I want to look at them a little bit broadly, Chris, Uh, your take on the expansion of replay to take a look at pass interference and also uh, roughing the passer and whatnot. Your thoughts on that? Is this something that you would like to see done? Is this something that you uh, are happy that it would uh, that's going to be part of the game? 
You know, this reminds me of a. Have you ever listened to Steve Zabin? How he kept saying technology yeah. and review was just ruining the sport. In some ways, I, I agree. I think that they're trying to make the game too perfect, where you know you can catch everything to the point where referees are going to be robots. They can capture everything, but. At the same time, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, especially after the Saints game where they just rioted and got robbed. And really, they should have been there because they would have made a, a more interesting Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 overall, I just feel that people are going to be relying too much on replaying challenges and reviews and use it as a crutch, I think, too often. Or if they do do this, they're really going to have to limit how often you can use it, you know? And I completely understand because I looked at it, you know, the and I read some articles, you know, the proposal represent a massive shift in philosophy in its own right, and more importantly would address a type of mistake that affects the outcome of games more than any other penalty. Defensive pass interference is a spot foul, and over the past three seasons it has cost teams an average of 15.2 yards per call. Those fouls total only 9% of all penalties, but because of the yardage involved, they represent 70% of penalties with the largest impact on the league's internal version of a win problematic metric. So that's so that's it right there, is the fact that it only ha- happens, nine, only 9% of penalties have to do with these huge pass interference calls, but when they're made, they're huge. And that's, I think, what they're trying to get down, but... You know, hopefully if they do do something, it's not going to be written in stone. It's going to be kind of like the 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 uh, roughing the passer, what happened this last year, where mm-hmm. they'll test it out. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, I mean, we'll see, how, we'll see how it goes. I mean, hopefully that they can amend it, you know, and get rid of it if it's a complete failure. I mean, at this point, it's like they want – the game to get to the point where everything can be reviewed. Yeah. But, but they don't want to just say everything's reviewable. Although Washington did propose that change that any call on the field can be reviewable. No. That was immediately shot down. But I mean, but at a certain point though, where there there's either gotta be, there's gotta be a line drawn. We're either, we're going to be okay with basically everything being reviewable or or we go or we take it all the way back or not all the way back but i mean really cut it and outside of just what you can review why why are they still proposing that it needs to be a coach's challenge because if you're making it now that you can expand it to all these different things why what do you have coaches challenges for anymore i mean scores and turnovers are automatically reviewed. You don't have to throw a challenge flag for that anymore. Everything under two minutes, you don't throw a challenge flag for. Well, now if you've got, you know, if, if you're trying to make this this reviewable, what, what what point is it that we just don't have? We have uh, like what they have in the AF that you have the sky judge kind of watching and looking for these things, almost like you know VAR in soccer where somebody's watching for this and makes the call. Not, not on the field. Why why are coaches even still challenging if this is where we want to take this? And then we throw in, you know, roughing the passer and penalty and uh unnecessary roughness calls. If there's all of this reviewable and you only have two challenges to use, why are we still 
putting the onus on coaches to use those challenges correctly, why not just have, you know, everything, everything's reviewable and you have a referee whose job is basically to say in the, you know, the, the ear of the head referee, Hey, we missed this. This is the call you need to make, you know? Yeah. And not just that, like if this is happening in the NFL, what's well, going to prevent this from happening in every other major sport? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if this happens, this game is going to last longer than a baseball game. Well, see, personally, I don't, I don't really care too much about that because if if it's getting the call right, I'd rather them take an extra forty five seconds or a minute to. But to if you double could review every single play, basically, those are going to add up. It's going to be absolutely maddening. Well, I, I, I don't. I think that there's a slippery slope kind of argument to it that I don't necessarily necessarily think is there because yeah, you might get, you might get a couple of outliers where, you know, everything's getting reviewed, but I mean, really how many times are we looking at a game? How many times are we watching a game and you look and say that needs to be reviewed or, or they missed that call for me. I think it's outside of things that, aren't already going to be reviewed or don't get reviewed maybe four or five times, you know, on average. And, and if you get it down to a system where, I mean, soccer, you've got it figured out in maybe a minute, a minute and a half, they look at everything and you make the decision. If you've got a judge that's dedicated to making these decisions like this, and that's his whole, that's the whole thing. I I could see it happening, you know, within, a 45 second period of here's the call or even, or even if you wanted to do this, if you wanted to make this change and say, you need to make the call within 45 seconds. If you're taking longer than 45 seconds to look at the video, then it's inconclusive. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, if you, you know, in, in baseball where people are in New York city are the ones who are making the call. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do the, almost the same thing in the NFL to the point where you barely even need referees. Just have a play. People will just call up and say, yeah, this should have been called. Call it. You know, I, I just don't understand this. I feel that people are trying so hard to make the game perfect and flawless to the point where they're just going to end up shooting themselves in, the old, in their own foot. Just like what happened with the Clay Matthews sack or the hit on Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith. They're trying to make the game so perfect and safe that it ends up becoming almost unwatchable. And I just feel that this is just going to be a recipe for disaster, I think. Well, I think I think the NFL has kind of fallen on, on its own sword in a way because we didn't notice these things, or at least these things, you know, really didn't become kind of, uh, you know, an issue at least. Well, all right, let me let me backtrack on that a little bit. I can't say that they weren't brought up or issues because I wasn't around. So I can't say that for sure. But it seems like with more cameras, slow motion, you know, you're catching everything now. Everything is being seen. I mean, we every catch can be dissected by a person sitting on their couch. And so if your fan base is screaming about, um, one missed call that could affect their chance to go to the Super Bowl or not, because because I'm sitting here on my couch, 500 miles away from the game, and I can tell that the referee made this call, and I could call right now to the to Lambeau Field and say 
you missed this call. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, if I can do that, then why can't they do that? At least that's the argument that I, you know, that I would put towards, uh, towards that. I know. And even then it's nothing's going to be perfect. Cause how many times have you seen a referee review a play and then they still somehow get it wrong? Oh no, no, no. Yeah. I, I agree. You know what I mean? Like the fail Mary for God's sake. It's like, how do you watch that? And then you still get it wrong. No, you're, you're right. You'll never, you'll never get it perfect, but um, you know, that that's, it, it's it'd only be perfect, but I think, uh, you know, at least chasing that perfection is what, yeah. uh, you know, another, another key statistic I, I found out, you know, of the 19 pass interference calls that most impacted win probability during the three season period, 13 occurred in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime. So they always tend to happen at the end of the game. And of course, just like, like a bad movie, the ending is it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth that could ruin the entire experience for you. So I, I can, I, I, you know, like I said, it, you know, it's like a, it's like a double-edged sword. There's no way to grab it. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know, with that too, we were going to kind of talk about changes that we'd like to see uh, proposed in the NFL. One of mine is I think limiting pass interference down to a 15 yard penalty. It should be something that I think needs to get more, play at some of these meetings and i'm actually surprised that it doesn't get more attention i will i will this is what i think if it's if it's a a, if it's a penalty where a receiver is running down the field and he turns and tries to find the ball and then he ends up coming back to try to get it because it was underthrown and the defensive back of course bumps into him then I believe that should be a 15-yard penalty because, of course, it's underthrown. You had to come back to the ball. What's the defensive back supposed to do? However, if it's blatantly where the defensive back is like tackling the receiver, then I think it should be at the spot of the foul. Right, but then where do you make where do you make that that judgment call of was it underthrown? You know, was it because because now you've got referees that are trying to judge where the ball is in comparison to where you know the player is and was the player making a move on the ball or I, I think if you just cut with penalties, I think you just cut, cut the ball, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's this, it's not going to be, you know, Oh, it happened in the end zone. So we put it at the two yard line. It's 15 yards, no matter what. Now, if you're a defensive back and you want to tackle every single time, well, that I mean, that's sure. That's your kind of prerogative, yeah. but you but know, people, time, people though. find a way to use the rules however they can. Oh yeah, definitely. And then also the fact that offenses is, you know, it's, you know, people have been saying it's more of an offensive league, like for like every decade, it gets more and more offensive. So I could, any rule to me that helps defense, I'd be mostly for. And, no, uh, that's fair one enough. Rule, uh, one rule that I really am just sick of, not just if it's my team, the Packers playing, but any other team is overtime rules. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I got also, brought up. And not just, not just the overtime rules. But the fact that there's still a rule that allows teams to freaking tie. Like, who? Like, I think the NFL is the last major sports league in North America to still allow teams to tie. Uh, no, hockey has ties. Hockey? Oh. Hockey Hockey has ties. Um, if it's uh, – Even college football got rid of that, what, back in the 80s? Yeah, true. I just um, don't understand how they still allow NFL teams to tie. Well, 
I'll say this. I mean, especially in this day and age, if if you can't figure out a way to score a touchdown or even a field goal within a 10-minute period with the way that the, the rules kind of in the game helps out offenses, I don't know if you maybe deserved <laughs> to, to win. Keep playing until somebody wins. I don't care if you have to sleep overnight. Just keep playing until you win. I'm I'm not a, I'm not that's not a big that's not a big point for me. Um oh, at least especially this especially when like like last year the Packers you know they they tie the Vikings but it was at home so that's more of a loss. Yeah, Those no, that's come back to bite you. That's true. That's true. Um and I think really maybe something that can you know solve both of our issues is what a lot of people say why not just make it college overtime? Yes. Why are we not just making this college overtime rules? I mean, there, everyone complains about, well, well, the offense, you know, this offense didn't get a chance to be out on the field. We didn't get to see this, uh, you know, we didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers go down and try and answer. Yeah, well, look at the Patriots Chiefs. What happened in the AFC Championship game? Perfect right. example. And and it seems like people just dance, like you know, these rules they kind of dance around, you know, not wanting to make it college. Well. If it's a field goal, you still get a chance. And, you know, if it's a touchdown, then, well, now we'll give the other team a chance to to take. Why not just make it college football overtime? It's the most exciting overtime that Mm -hmm. there is, personally, in my book. It doesn't take that much longer, typically. You know, I mean, at most, it usually goes maybe three overtimes at most. And it gives it gives you exactly what the NFL wants, and that's more scoring. Oh yeah, and just just imagine for a second—you have two teams going into overtime. The first one kicks a field goal. Now your team is up, needing a touchdown. I mean, that would be absolutely nuts. So I, I completely agree with with that. And even then, if, if the if they can't get it get do anything to make overtime better, I honestly think why not just make it ten minutes or twelve minutes. Just keep playing until the clock hits zero. So if you score, you score. The other team gets the ball you have until the clock hits zero. Just do that if you can't think of anything better. Because I just – when the Patriots scored and ran away with the AFC title, I just mm-hmm. turned off the TV in disgust. Well, it's tough to watch the Patriots win at all. But it's yeah. also tough to watch – I mean, you go back to the NFC champion, not the NFC championship game, um, the uh, – the divisional game against the Cardinals a couple of years ago, uh, you know, where we, there's the two fourth down conversions and the, you tie the game up and then you watch Larry Fitzgerald run about 70 yards, uh, you know, to, to basically win the game for the Cardinals. Um, the other one that was put on the table, it really didn't have much uh, support really outside of uh, interestingly had the support of the competition committee, or at least most of the competition committee, not much support outside of it was the onside kick rule of implementing the idea that the AF kind of brought in the uh, 4th and 15 at your own 35. Personally for me, if, if you if you were to do this, I say go all out and you get rid of kickoffs in general. No more kickoffs. And if you want to do this, every team after you score – you put it at the 50-yard line, and you say you have to make it to the 35 to keep this going. And you it's basically like make it, take it. The offense can stay out there for a half hour if they keep scoring and converting and going. 
I mean, uh, I know that it's it, it's crazy. It, it is. It, I understand it's crazy, and it's not legitimately what I want. But just think about an NFL. Think, think God, about an NFL. What my lord. But but think about I mean just think about if if you can let your imagination wander think about an NFL game where the game is based so much on moving forward advancing gaining ground possession away from your opponent you know getting first downs you know that kind of uh trench mentality of you know gaining ground on your opponent and now you score and you continue to keep advancing until they actually stop you. I think I I know that it's it's crazy, but I, I think that would be kind of cool to see. Uh, you know, I know, in, but in, in, a, in a weird alternate reality, you can't just throw away special teams. Uh, to me, special teams is the more probably the most important plays. Well, I mean, you would still have punts, you would still have kicks, and I mean, really, at this point with kickoffs. You know they're 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 shading it out of the game to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but uh, you know there's been a sharp decline in kicks that are actually returned anymore. And so why not just give us more offense? And that's exactly what we want to see, anyways. That's yeah. that's the Joker in me. Chaos. Well, the thing about the onside kick is that I think it was from uh, from 1992 to 2017. Onside kicks were recovered 21.2% of the time. Last year, only 7.7. So it's way down. So I can understand, you know, I think it was the Broncos that came out and wanted this. And, you know, I understand where it is. You know, you start at your own 35, fourth and 15, you have to convert. It's a huge gamble. And so, uh, you know, but it was rejected, of course. And But seven of the eight, people on the competition committee voted for it. So there is some people who are with it. What do you think? Well, the thing that I think take out of that is that Mark Murphy is one of the ones to, uh, to vote for that. It's he's part of that competition committee. Yeah. Um, you know, John Merritt was apparently the only one that shot the idea down, but I, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you have the competition committee, which is a mix of, uh, you know, owners, general managers, and coaches, you know, Mike Tomlin and Sean Payton are part of this too, that they would be interested in something like this. And I think maybe a vote like this, if you take a step back away from it and try to see the, the forest through the trees a little bit, is that maybe it was something that they they passed through to kind of give their approval to the mass to just kind of get a feel for how people would react to a change as drastic as something to the onside kick that really hasn't seen, you know, anything kind of change to it drastically. And then also, as I said, you're kind of getting rid of kickoffs in general. And so I think maybe they kind of are just testing the waters to see how much can we really, you know, affect one of the core aspects of how a game is run, because, you know, that's something that at least even from a, just a television standpoint, that's one of those natural moments of, you know, demarcation of, you know, going to the next series is the kickoff. You know, it, can we make changes to that? So, yeah, I don't know if maybe show support for it, but maybe just to kind of see where you stand with it. Well, also the fact that you you only can do it once a game and, of course, has to be the fourth quarter. 
So it's not like it's going to be happening all the time. So I don't think it's that bad. I don't know what the exact vote is because I think you have to get 24 votes mm-hmm. in order for it to pass. I don't know where specifically it was, uh, if it was really that close, because hopefully it was, because I think that it would be interesting. Of course, like I said, always like use a, uh, the upcoming season as a test. If it works, keep going with it. If it's not, get rid of it. You know, that, that's the beauty of it. Well, and that's why I also like the appeal of what the AAF is trying to do, because then you can kind of, you know, see how some of these different changes maybe affect the game and how people react to them uh, being in the game. And that's probably a reason, because I think there was a lot of positive feedback about how the AAF did that with mm-hmm. the onside kicks. So um, so as we wrap up, Chris, uh, I, just last kind of thing, if you were on the competition committee, what what is something that you would offer up to the competition committee as something that you would like to see changed uh, to the game of football? Well, we just talked about overtime rules are mm-hmm. my number one thing. That just comes off my head right at the top. Um, other than that, what do you what do you think? The only other one that I could think of, um, and it's not really that big of an issue, is uh, and I was just kind of doing some reading on this is fumbling out of the end zone resulting in a turnover or a score. I, I think, you know, it, it's not anything too big, but I think it would be beneficial to the NFL to maybe just review, kind of see how that plays into things because you've had a rash of these incidents where, you know, players are taking more aggressive chances at the end zone and balls getting fumbled out of the end zone, resulting in turnovers. I think maybe, oh, yeah. you know, you change it up where the ball just gets placed back at a certain point. Yeah, whether it's out of, I think it was 2013 against the Redskins. James Jones reaching for the pylon, fumbles, ball hits the pylon, touchback. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I think like that. It should be almost at the one yard line or one right. inch. I think that's what it should be. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, that's and I guess that's not one that I would go Dinah Hill for. But if we were trying to think of something else to to throw out there, that's I think where I would start. So lots uh, lots more coming up with the Pack-A-Day podcast in the next several weeks, as we always say. And we really, truly mean it because, you know, now as the calendar starts to get ready for April, we are officially in draft mode here at the Pack-A-Day podcast. We have been for several weeks already, um, but it's really going to start ramping up here in the next couple of weeks as we get ready for uh, the NFL draft coming up in April. So make sure you stick with us each and every day for a new episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, make sure that you go on, like us, rate, review the podcast. It's a huge help to us. Um, you can follow uh, Chris and myself on social media, on Twitter especially, at DK all the way for myself. For Chris, he is at Chris Schimmel. Let us know what you think about uh, the rule changes uh, that coming down from the competition committee. Our ideas, what are your ideas? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and see what you say. So for my partner, Chris Schimmel, Dan Kotnick, signing off from the Pack-A-Day podcast and finishing off, as always, with a big Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And the Bears to suck. Sunday night football and the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure immediately. Dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack's had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lost it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. Got a happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com